Welcome to Conversations. And now, from Los Angeles, here's your host, Mike Dowler. Thank you, Sean, from Los Angeles. I'm Mike Dowler, and welcome to Conversations Radio. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram at Conversations Radio. Hey, on Twitter, it's really quite simple. It's at Converse Radio. That's like the shoe without the E. Clever, right? <laughs> at Converse Radio. And on Facebook, we're simply Conversations, the podcast. I have email, conversationspod at gmail.com. Drop us a line. And of course, all of our podcasts, all soon to be 124 episodes, are on multiple download platforms. Amazon Music, Podbean, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, you name it, it's on. Even on Audible, which is great. So you can listen to it in other ways too. So I know it's amazing. So check those out. And again, uh, we thank you for listening. Great show tonight. Tonight's guest will be the magic Asian man himself, uh, Nathan Fan. And my co-host is the wonderful Matteo Molinari. Been wanting to get him on for a long time as well. And uh, yeah, he's always uh, just kind of doing things. So we'll talk to him in just a second. But great show tonight. Hey, I want to take our guest from 420. No comments now, please. Um, Jordana Bryant. She is a Pennsylvania country artist. Splits her time between uh, Pennsylvania and Nashville. And she is making her way through all of it, uh, getting noticed. Great, great music, originals. Her new song, Guilty, that's Guilty, is on multiple download platforms as well as her website, jordanabryant.com. Amazing singer, amazing artist. And I got to tell you, she's got a heck of a studio at home. Wow. <laughs> Whoever, whenever they sell that house, that studio is going to add about $20,000 to it because it's beautiful. But check that podcast out. That's episode number 123. It's online. Uh, give it a listen. Amazing. And her website is jordanabryant.com. And uh, follow her on Instagram as well. Hey, great show and really warm in here. <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, 80 degrees. I can't run here because it'll be, it'll be, it'll be like, so... It will be very, very, you know, crazy. My co-host. Oh, and I got him now. <laughs> He's in his grotto somewhere in the San Fernando Valley. Matteo Molinari, a good friend of mine. We've worked together for numerous numerous things. He has co-hosted before, I believe. It was a long, long time ago. And uh, he is just uh, an amazing, amazing artist. He is an actor, producer, writer, uh, a collector of all things film. And really, uh, the books he's written are, are amazing. A lot of um, interest in film. And the oopsies, those mics that are in the shot and things like that, um, he, he writes books about that. And again, they're, they're great. Um, he is also well known for his, his film, which is playing all over the world, uh, Bad CGI Sharks. Yeah, the title is just, yeah. It's, you know, you got it's very, you know, you got to be cerebral you know, when you do things, and this guy really is. He is from Italy. Kefai, kefai, kefai. He came here and uh, in 2001 became a U.S. citizen. Uh, and yes, he speaks English and very good Italian. We'll talk about that later. That all plays into our, our hidden what's my line question later on. I want to say hi to 
Matteo Molinari. Matteo. Hello. Welcome to Conversations Radio. I've got you. You're looking great there in your grotto. Yes. And you 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 gave me a, a way too big uh, introduction. I <clears throat> it's true I do a lot of things none of them uh, well. So I'm trying to just take get uh, I I suck on uh, several levels. Well, what is he going to say? I'll just say here he is, the loser himself. No, of course not. I don't roll like that. You um, have, I do. Um, yeah, I know that. But um, welcome back. I'm glad to have you on here. And again, you're also a fan of Nathan's, so it's going to be a great show tonight. Uh, you were born in Genoa, Italy, and at yes. some point you said, "Mama, I'm leaving. I'm going to America." What was that emotion? Could... Both ways. Well, I'm sorry. What was that emotion for you guys? Uh, Did she approve? Uh, yes, she. I've always had the support of my both my parents. They told me do whatever you want uh, with uh, with your life, uh, and uh, as long as you um, possibly remain on the right side of the law, uh, which uh, so far I've done. I think you have, yeah. And yeah, and uh, I tried. It was something that uh, had not. I, I've done it. Uh, I would have regretted for the whole my life. So, I I was still uh, single, not by choice. Uh, I mean, by choice oh, of yeah, every yeah. Other, every woman I would know, but that's <laughs> another story. Yes. And uh, so I say, okay, I'm by myself. I can go and do whatever I want. And if I fail, I come back. So far, I'm still here, but you never know. Your interest in film was it was it always a thing for you, even in Italy? Yes. Yes. Ever since. Uh, I, I learned what uh, screenwriters and directors do. I say that's what I want to do when I grow up. And luckily, I never grew up, so I'm still pursuing that. Because movies are a big thing in Italy. I mean, it's it's yes. huge. Yes. Especially the spaghetti, yes. spaghetti westerns and whatnot. Um, yeah. And you came to LA, and and you're like, wow, this is really happening. And you yes. kind of you kind of just slid right in and started doing stuff, um, writing books and and going to films. And collecting, you've got a, a stellar um, collection of DVDs and Funko toys and autographs and all kinds of stuff there. Um, yeah. You got a wild hair not too long ago, and you guys did a movie together um, called Bad CGI Sharks. Yes. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> One day we were watching a sci-fi, and uh, there was the... Uh, Umpteenth shark movie, the, the shark in Venice, uh, the, the, the techno shark, mega shark, uh, this. And so I turned to my writing partners and I say, you know what, we should write and make our own movie and call it Bad CGI Sharks and call it a day. And we all laugh and then we start to think about it and then we made it. Wow. Well, I'm impressed. With, uh, with, uh, with uh, a budget that is um, in total is... Uh, $6,247.58. Wow. And uh, we were able to make it. And uh, tens of people like it. You didn't need for a month, but uh, other than that, uh, yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's it, the, the movie is great. It's got traction, and it's also been on the circuit. And it's in Japan, too. Surprisingly, yes. We, we got sold in Japan, which was the most bizarre thing ever. Um, and uh, we won a couple of uh, festivals, uh, uh, one in uh, England, which oh. is uh, very weird because the, the humor, uh, British humor, which I love, uh, but definitely the movie is not, uh, <laughs> at least I don't think so, that is in the court of the British humor. And yet uh, 
for some reason they gave us an award. Um, there is actually the video of the guy who, because it happened during the, the pandemic, so we weren't present. But when the guy announced it, uh, he was the most surprised of everybody. I said, this one won? So I said, so, okay, we'll take it. So what's next? Uh, bad CGI Godzilla? We no, we are working on um, um, a few projects. Uh, unusual, a large uh, seahorse is uh, one of them. Um, and uh, but right now we have this show called Majama Jams uh, on YouTube, oh, where we just uh, discuss about movies uh, rather than working on our own. The upsies, the upsies in movies. Uh, I too have been very, very obsessed with that. I love when you're watching the movie and all of a sudden, here's this big honking microphone just hanging there. Yes. I mean, you got to wonder if that guy is not getting his butt kicked after <laughs> that scene. And a lot of times... There, there, there are several, several reasons, uh, but uh, yes, I, I, I enjoy spotting that. It's not that I'm looking for Yeah, uh, I know, them. it's just there. I never, I never, never said to say, oh, now watch this movie, I'll, I'll get them. I mean, now, yeah, if, now it's a lot easier because everything's, everything's, you know, digital. But when you were shooting yeah. film, you, you had to make a decision. Do we go back and reshoot the f scene or do you just right. screw it and go with it? You know? So, right. But uh, yeah, I've seen. The, I think. I think. I think shampoo has a scene in that with a, where Mike. Where Mike is showing. I'm not mistaken. I could be it's wrong. possible. But yeah. there are plenty of uh, uh, Kramer versus Kramer has one uh, very blatant. Um, the, the, there are a lot of movies with with problems like that. Uh, yeah. And 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 um, hands that change, uh, clothes that change. Uh, yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Well, you've it's got always... a, you've got a sharp eye for that. That's just good. And I'm probably glad, I'm glad you're here. Are you a fan of ma magic? Though? I do. I, I am. I am. I do love magic. Yes. Have you done any magic at all? Any? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh. And I, I dabble in magic, but uh, I like my other uh, many activities. I suck at that, too. So, <laughs> you know, it's all about the presentation. Let me bring our guest in because he really is an amazing, amazing fellow here. Uh, born yes. born in the U.S., Orange County, and then it somehow ended up in Scotland for about 10 years and spent his childhood, a part of his childhood, in Scotland, Glasgow, and uh, then came back and, uh, well, and stayed and developed a, 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 a love for musical theater and then went on to uh, do some acting. He's appeared in Superbad. We all know that film, and uh, he has performed his magic and his, his showmanship um, all over the world. I met him on the uh, Majestic Princess on Princess Cruises, phenomenal show. We ran up together, out together, ran into each other the next day, and we sit and chatted for a second. And he's like, "Yeah, I want to do it." So uh, again, it is all about presentation for sure, you know. And I will share a story, but let me bring him in uh, all the way from from Pittsburgh. Now he's performing in Pittsburgh. He's got a, a big gig there. He is known as the Magic Asian Man. I want to say welcome to. Nathan fan, Nathan. Yay! Oh. <laughs> and in and in pure and in, in pure form, there he is, the showman. Um, Nathan, welcome to Conversations Radio. It is lovely to be here. How are you, Mike? Doing well. I'm so glad we uh, we this worked out. And I mentioned my my experience uh, about presentations and everything. I've got a friend of mine from years ago, and he had the uh, the saw in half. Uh, and mm -hmm. I know how it works, and you know how it works. I won't tell anybody else. But um, <laughs> well, there um, are actually several different variations. Well, this There's was like just, actually at least six different. This versions, was just so a, a, a basically, basically a block <laughs> and a and a a, a, a saw. 
Uh, so anyway, that I, could I, still I, be three of those versions. <laughs> so there's a Wakeling sawing. There is the Thin Model sawing. There's the Harbin sawing. There are a bunch of different versions. Well, this is like the uh, anyways. Continue. This is like the Craftsman uh, one. But I'm laying on this table, and uh, he's got music going and and everything, and it's just total build up. And then he puts it on me, and then he starts sawing, and it's like done in like four seconds. It's like there was it, all that build up for, and it was over. You know, I mean, when you're sawing one and a half, you got to go slow. I think he just got nervous. <laughs> but um, so there was that my one and only chance to get sawed in half, and uh, I got put back together, no problem at all. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one with kind of like a not a miter saw, but it's like the handheld saw? Yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, okay. And it's, it's I think that's the uh, Harbin sawing. Yeah. So this was like, man, thirty years ago. So I mean, it's like more than that. God. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's very likely. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh That is that is a classic. It's a classic for a reason. Now I believe that's. Yeah, his, but... he's, he's got a blue ukulele here. That's the one you had on the cruise ship, I think, isn't it? Yes, yes. This is uh, if, uh, for since you you all who are listening cannot see. It is a uh, my signature color is teal, and this is a teal ukulele that I procured a few years ago, and it comes with me uh, most places. Uh, it's just nice to be able to sit back and relax. Yeah. Sometimes I like to just sit and decompress and play music, but I also play some music during the show. So it, yeah. uh, it's uh, it's twofold. So even if they charge me for it, it's a tax write off. I love it. And, and you're big on you're big on teal too. Teal teal confetti. Teal yeah. Uh... It is literally it's a it's been my signature color uh, probably since the early 2010s and mm-hmm. um, I've I've worn it ever my very first national TV appearance ever was uh, America's Got Talent in 2013 and I had locked it in, in even by then so well you is there any special meaning or just that you like the color uh, I love the color uh, the meaning there's not so much meaning so much as like there's kind of a story behind how I discovered teal oh, yeah. basically basically to make a long story short when I was younger uh, how I made my living was doing kids birthday parties and at these kids birthday parties I knew that I wanted something to kind of uh, some kind of aesthetic commonalities so that when I got props I think oh everything will be in this shade or in this hue so that people will see it and it will look good aesthetically but also people might see me at other parties and be like oh it's that guy we've seen him it's the guy okay. in this color well, and originally it was red, red. And, and, and then I switched over to teal that's great oh. it's also less common I, I guess that I think that red is very much in, in the magic uh, Tradition is Lots of people use red, and on top of that, red is like you know, red on a like a, on a psychological level. Red means danger. Red yes. means stop. You know, uh, yeah. and so I wanted something that was fun and, and pretty. And uh, and one day <laughs> I just saw a teal shirt like in a Ross dress for less, and I bought it, and then I wore it, and I immediately got so many compliments. You know, wow. like, oh, it's a fun color, and it looks good on you. And so I just started buying everything in shades of like teal, aqua. Uh, you know, turquoise. Like there's the the only problem with it is that it comes in so many different shades, and not all the shades are compatible with each other. So I have to find. And then there's tropical teal, which is different from Caribbean so teal, you, which is different from. You can, you can use the use the Pantone chart, the Pantone color chart. Yes, that's what I would do. That's what I need to do. I yeah. need to go find a Pantone thing. Uh, now what I do is so I I custom order teal shirts. Okay. Uh, and they always come with like a little extra square of fabric that's meant to be used as like a pocket square. But I just keep one with me at all times so that if I'm in a store somewhere, I'm like, oh, oh is this the right shade? Let me grab this swatch of fabric that I carry around with me. Like, very you know, clever. Uh, like a... <laughs> well, at the risk of, of, of maybe offending, you know, we're running out of fuel, running out of food products, but there's no shortage of teal. 
So you're good. There right. is not. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily so enough, fine. yes. <laughs> you um again born in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Irvine, is that right? Yeah, born yeah born in Orange County. Just yeah, stones throw away from Disneyland, as I like to say. And Ooh. and folks, I know what you're saying. You're saying Nathan Fan doesn't sound Vietnamese, uh, and uh, and there's a reason for that. <coughs> you would me. you would be correct in yeah. saying so. At about a year old, hold on. Excuse me, I love, I love post-production. Uh, you and the family went to Glasgow and stayed for 10 years. That's correct, yeah. Uh, for your dad's work. Um, and so you grew up there, and it's true that when you go to different places, you pick up the pick up the, the dialect and the, or the accent. Yet Mateo's been there for how many years now? Uh, 26. And you still, and sound, still... <laughs> you still sound Italian. But the other thing is, how old were you when you came to the United States? I was uh, one month shy of turning 30. Wow. Yeah, that sounds right. I yes. was going to say, there's no way, if your accent's still this thick, there's no way you moved before you were like 18 or 20. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so you, you, you kind of grew up in Scotland, and that's got to be just an amazing thing. I mean, the land of Sean Connery, and you... Uh... <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. I remember every day I'd uh, come back from school, and there he was just, you know, sitting in his garden. No, he wasn't. I, of course not, I don't yeah. think he was living there at the time. Plus, he's from uh, he's an Edinburgh boy, I think. Edinburgh, so uh, okay. I don't think he's a Ouija like myself. Gotcha. So uh, you were there about ten, about ten years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, what an experience! That's that's fantastic. Did you ever eat haggis? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh god. Oh. Yeah, delicious. Oh, uh, but yeah. then again, I have a very I have a very daring palate. I will eat just about anything. Is your mom? Uh, is, 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 is your mom a chef? Yeah, my mom's a chef. Because oh. you posted, I told Mateo about this. You posted a picture of a bowl of pho, and I was like, uh-huh. "Oh my god, I got to hang with him." It, just looked, <laughs> it looked amazing. It really did. So, um, so you, at ten years old, you guys flew back to um, to America. Back, Eleven, uh, yeah. Eleven, Eleven back to America, in Orange County, yeah. um, and then um, you never went back. And again, so you guys left your house when you were a year old. Was it the same house when you came back? Yes, it was. Uh, so basically what happened was that um, we uh, I think my parents were living like in an apartment somewhere and they had me and they said, well, we're probably going to have more kids. So we should probably, you know, upgrade from an apartment to a house. And so they got a house or at least put a down payment down on it. And then, of course, you know, probably the next day after that, that happened. My dad probably got that job offer from Scotland. Uh, uh, and, you know, that's the way that life works. You know, if and, you want to make God laugh, make a plan. Right. And Irvine's amazing. I, 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 won't, I won't question that. And you were mm-hmm. on your own for a while. But, again, uh, COVID has kind of, mm-hmm. you know, presented some challenges. And you uh, went back to OC and uh, you're living the dream there and uh, unlimited fa. Yeah, unlimited for uh, to a degree yeah i definitely can request it from time to time i actually just moved out of my parents house because oh. i was living on my own and yeah i was living on my own in vegas for you know about a year and a half and then i only moved back in because i was performing on cruise ships so much that it didn't yeah. make sense for me to have my own apartment uh but yeah so I've, I've been back at my parents place for about two years now and it's one of those really horrendously ironic things where the more i can afford an apartment the less i need one yeah. Because the the work that I have usually puts me on a cruise ship or right now I'm spending a whole week in Pittsburgh. And before this, I was on a cruise ship and I'll fly straight, straight from Pittsburgh out to another cruise ship in Alaska. So that's like oh. six weeks I've gone away from home. Um, uh, so the, the more work I have, the more I can afford the apartment, but the less I need one. Is it the, uh, is, but... is, is it the uh, Diamond Princess? 
Uh, no, I'm going to be joining, I think, the Royal Princess. Oh, nice. I mean, I yeah. How many yeah, shows nice. do you do uh, usually on uh, on a cruise ship like that? Uh, anywhere from two to four, usually. Um, so what happens is they have you, uh, you're, you're meant to be prepared to do two different 45-minute shows. And okay. so the first one you usually do like in the theater somewhere. So you do two full 45-minute shows, and those can be the same. Uh, and then the next time you'll either perform in the lounge and you'll do a different show, or sometimes they'll have you come back to the theater, or sometimes they'll have you share a show with another entertainer. So like, it'll be one of the live singers and me, and we'll split the 45 okay. minutes between us. So it's yeah, a, so. It's a great gig. I had a friend that worked for Princess many years ago. He was uh, a piano player. And uh, he, did, uh, he did, he used to play at Howl at the Moon on City Walk. It was a dueling, okay, yeah, yeah. Dueling, Howl at uh, the Moon is a it's du- a dueling piano right. bar, right? So his name is his name is Randy Keith, good friend. Okay. He did uh, traffic for KNX. We worked in radio together as well. But uh, he would uh, basically he did the Alaska he did the Alaska run, and uh, which was great is he'd play like two shows a night and during the day. He could do like excursions and you know or help yep. pass out bingo cards or what have you. So it's it's a good it's gig. a it's a really fantastic opportunity, and it's one of those things that. It's, it is amazing to me how much in many ways the kind of uh, education system has failed performers uh, because they will tell you, well, just, I mean, okay, so this isn't, I don't think this is political, but it's about <laughs> how we are still told there's a still a lot of the ways that the world works is based off of the same way that it worked in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Right. Right. It is you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a degree, you get a job in that field, you marry somebody, you have two and a half kids, buy a house. Boom. Like, that's the way it is. And there, when the, the world of cruising fell into my lap, I had to wonder, why did nobody tell me this was an option? Why yeah. did nobody tell me that it's like running away to join the circus? Why exactly. did nobody tell me I could just... Do live that. my life on the water and do that and they will pay for my housing they will give me food and i all i gotta do is be a dancing monkey like two right. to four times a week and that's it it's, it's fantastic a, it's an amazing gig and again the majestic princess is a beautiful ship which was actually Absolutely. built for china but nobody's mm-hmm. cruising in china right now so um it's yeah i did a- i did about 20 i think i did 20 plus weeks on the majestic wow. princess wow. uh that's off and on so like i would do two weeks here, four weeks here, three weeks here, six weeks here. Uh, but yeah, most of the cruising I've done since uh, August, which is when the big return to service was, right. uh, was uh, on the Majestic Princess. And then I got to do the Diamond and the Grand. And now I'm going to be doing the Royal, the Ruby, and one other, and I can't remember, uh, the Caribbean. I've, the Caribbean I've, Princess. I've done the Ruby. Wow. Um, yeah, that's, it's amazing. Again, you can, get, you can uh, really um, network, and um, it's a, a great gig. You're away from home, obviously, but you know you're on a cruise ship, so that's pretty mm-hmm. damn pretty damn cool. <laughs> so it, it's nice because you have one of those professions where that is universal, pretty mm. much. You don't have to understand. Uh, I mean, yes, there are some parts where you have your introduction and everything, but the vast majority of the time, the actual illusion is something that every, I brought my parents to see David Copperfield mm. because he's mm-hmm. probably the most known uh, uh, magician, at least in Italy. Um, no, and... he's probably the best known magician here in the States too. He's yeah. also the first magician to ever be worth a billion dollars. Yes. <laughs> and wow. even if they co- were completely lost uh, with the uh, speaking parts, uh, but when the magic was happening, I saw 
two kids with me, not my parents, because they were just like, because I told yeah. them, say, their yeah. eyes just shoot yes. open yeah. wide, the jaw and, drops. And uh, with which, which is one thing that I hate about uh, Italy and Italians, I told them, <laughs> for once in your life, don't flip the part of your brain that says, uh, ah, I'm going to get him. Uh, yeah. must be a trick and everything. It's is... just like enjoy what you know there is a trick yeah but you ruin the the the, the whole performance for yourself if you're just like i have to figure out that thing you know <laughs> which is it's great weather. you did you did pentatel not too long ago and the bit with the balloon mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and they basically said you didn't fool us but you know what this is a great a great act and it was mm-hmm. it was amazing you know, that's my favorite type of magic to watch is the stuff that doesn't necessarily fool me is and don't get me wrong. I have no problem admitting when I'm fooled. I was just fooled the other day very badly and I do love it. But there's also something very amazing about watching a performance where I know everything that's happening. I even know what the twist is going to be because there's only so many tricks in magic. Uh but to be able to watch it and then say, I don't care because of how much I am just loving this performance, right. this, you know, the the approach to this, the story that crafts it, all that stuff. So, you know, to, to kind of release that intellectual side of you and embrace the visceral. Uh, that's, that's actually something that uh, Penn Gillette said in an interview once. He said that magic is all about the intellectual and the visceral right. colliding as hard and as fast and as often yes. as possible. I, because um... your eyes are telling you viscerally this must be what's happening intellectually you know there's no way that lady's floating but viscerally like there she there's no wires and she's in the air explain that brain and you know that <laughs> it's that that thing you know that gets you to you know you 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 lose your breath uh your eyes shoot open you lean all the way forward your jaw drops and for a moment you are a child again who thinks that the, yes. the universe is infinite and anything can happen and it's uh it's a beautiful yeah. thing that's that's why I, one of the many reasons why i love doing what i do yeah, and it's and it's also one of the things that I always uh, uh, that when people are asking me how I enjoy exactly how why do I go to a, see a magic show even if I know some of the tricks uh, not all of them uh, because once again I'm not that's not my profession it's just like a, a passion that I have and pretty much I told them look you could give me the exact dancing routine of Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly mm-hmm. right. I can learn it by heart. They are still Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly, and I mm-hmm. am just like, doing something that is not yeah. even close. So when you see a performer doing what uh, he or she does well, it's exactly like you. I don't care if I know what it is. It's like hearing a singer performing a nice song extremely well. Absolutely. Exactly. You hear it like, uh, you know, Can I can absolutely take a look at the sheet music for Nessun Dorma. Right. And right, I can exactly. learn that music. Right. But then you put that in Pavarotti's voice and you're like, there's no explanation <laughs> exactly. for how I am sobbing right now. <laughs> I know every single note that's meant to happen. Right. And then there is another thing that I've always noticed that uh, as much as I like magic, I don't like every magician. And it doesn't need to be, um, I don't want to be a, a critic or, or everything, but. Because I think that, as uh, uh, Mike was saying, not only the presentation is important because it's also part of that. But I like in, in performer like you and uh, and uh, David Copperfield and Penn and Teller. 
it looks effortlessly. I don't want to know if it is or, or, or it actually is, but that your actual personality enters the whole, uh, uh, hey, I made a magician disappear. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, security just came in and was like, is somebody in here? I'm like, yeah, somebody <laughs> get in here, sorry. No, but I like when it looks like the personality of the magician is actually natural, is not a forced uh, um, thing. When, when I see yeah. you on stage, it's, uh, I see a guy who is enjoying what he does and there is, uh, once again, apparently no effort whatsoever in do whatever you do, but it's, it, it looks very organic. You, it doesn't, not for a second, I have the feeling, oh, he is playing a character, which is also fine. Gotcha. I like Piff the Magic Dragon, who is a, oh, yeah. Piff's <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. a completely absurd. Yep. But there are some magicians that no matter what they do, in Italy we say they don't pierce the video. They don't, give, they may... No, they're. I see them more like mechanics, not to their fault. It's just that they have a personality, or they are um, forcing something that is not in their chords. Yes. And so it's nice also to find. And I think there is a, a huge talent also to recognize that. In that vein, though, um, not all audiences are gracious, so uh, performers True. need to adjust at a moment's notice. I'm sure that at some point you've gone through that, Nathan. I mean, there are yeah, some. Yeah, actually, are... tonight, just tonight. So, uh, so uh, what what you were saying about how you know about being sincere on stage? I think sincerity is so important. And you know, effortless. It is one thing to be effortless. And if you've ever seen my shows, I don't know if I necessarily make it effortless, but I am being very natural. But my natural state That's... of being is high energy and working very hard to entertain you and be right. worth your time and your attention. But I will say that even tonight, I just had an audience, I think more of the small, this theater here uh, uh, in Pittsburgh, first of all, it's a storefront, and then they call nice. it a speakeasy theater. So you go inside, and it's like a 60-seat theater. It's really not big, uh, and uh, but which is nice because I get to like really be practically in their lap when I'm performing, and I love being able to connect with people that way, uh, you know, by sitting in their lap. No, not literally, but sometimes. It just depends. you got to be ready to work with it, right? Right. Uh, as you were just saying. But uh, tonight, you know, when the audience is are small, sometimes the energy isn't quite there, and right. you have to either figure out if you need to kind of pull back because sometimes too much energy scares people, right. or it makes them wonder why you're working so hard, uh, uh, or especially with my type of presentation where I'm doing a lot of singing and voices and stand-up comedy, people will sometimes be taken aback because they're like, oh, this wasn't what I was expecting. Right. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just that, you know, they were expecting, pick a card. Remember yes. it. Who will put it back in the deck? You know, kind of a thing. And I don't do any of that. Right. And uh, so I, I, I t tonight even had to kind of come out and change it up. And instead of going straight into my opening number, because I start every show with a song, basically, because I grew up doing theater. So I'm used to a big opening number. Uh, so instead of going straight into the song, I come out and say, hey, everybody, uh, this is a small audience. I know, but I need to know before we start, if you want to be a little more laid back, that's absolutely fine. I can dial it back to like 10%, which is more than enough for a nice intimate gathering. Or right. I can go, I can run full tilt at 100%. Round of applause if you want 10%. Nobody applauded. Round of applause <laughs> if you want 100%. 100%, they all applauded. Great, let's go. Opening number starts. That's a very good night way to start, actually. That's very cool. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, Go ahead, uh, Mike. Let me go ahead and step down just one second, guys. This is Conversations Radio, episode number 124. We're talking with the magic Asian man himself, Nathan Fan, and my co-host from uh, Italy at one point is uh, Matteo Molinari.
And thanks for tuning in tonight. A great show. We may go over just a little bit, so please don't shoot me. I had to ask you, Nathan, because I know I know that you've done Penn and Teller. Great show. I mean, it really uh-huh. is. And these guys have yeah. c- constantly reinventing themselves and keeping it fresh. And that's great. And he's been doing this for quite some time. Did you get a chance to go to the Slammer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I did. Before he sold it, it's now, uh, that's not where he lives anymore. He no, lives it's, like, I know it's, it's gone. Hawk. I saw yeah. the, the footage on it today, and the place is amazing. Um, are you familiar with the Slammer, Mateo? Yeah, I went. Uh, oh, Mateo? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not at all. No. So, <laughs> illustrate, elucidate me. What is it? Uh, so, the, the Slammer was what Penn Gillette called uh, his house. And it kind of looked like a penitentiary because there was like a like a chain link fence outside. Photos. It was kind of tall. Yeah. I did see photos. Okay. (laughs) And he doesn't live there anymore. No, he uh, he got a new place. It's called the Hawk. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. I think so. I think that's public knowledge. Uh, But uh, yeah, it's uh, so we got a new house basically, and boy, it's it's gorgeous. I mean. If if anyone can afford a nice house out in Vegas, oh, yeah. it'd be someone like you know Pendulet or Teller or yeah. David Copperfield or Fielder. anyone who's you know performed and headlined out there for decades. So right. uh, yeah, it's a wonderful place. But yeah, I have a, I have a few souvenir photos oh, from great. the Slammer because yeah. what they used to do is when you would come in, they had a um, they had this kind of mural I guess against the wall that uh, just had little markings for the height, so it kind of looked like where you would get your uh, your your oh, uh, prison photo taken, yeah, yeah. when you uh-huh. got arrested, essentially, your mugshot photo. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically what you did is you'd come in and then someone would take a photo and it would get uploaded to the cloud so it would play on this pic- digital picture frame. But they were like, <laughs> you do whatever you want for this photo. You can literally be naked if you want. Wow. Uh, just know that it's going to go up to the cloud and it'll pop up on this window frame. Uh, and so it was that was a, that was a heck of an experience. Yeah. And they're both really nice guys, what I understand. Yeah, um, they are. You've done this show, and I, and I watched your, some of your videos of the, your street magic in Hollywood. And there's one oh, yeah. where you're doing magic, and and Teller's right, right behind you. My God, that's right. Did you know he was there? No, I didn't. Okay, so okay, so um, uh, my cousin works in the film and TV industry, and he uh, he was part of this like production company, and they were like trying to pitch some TV shows, and they were in with this um this small tv network that only like featured asian american artists and so they're trying to pitch me to do like the david blaine but on this network essentially like they wanted me to do that uh and i was like yeah absolutely so they you know we got some cameras and we set me up on hollywood boulevard and uh along with some other locations and we just shot some material excuse me and uh at one point i'm doing this like mentalism trick and the camera guy is just like kind of like jerking his head like i think he's having a conniption fit because maybe i've broken his brain with a magic trick i don't know but he's like jerking his head i'm like what and someone's pointing like behind you and i turn and i look and i see teller and and of course uh teller and i teller and i go way back uh i met penn and teller actually in 2014 way before i shot penn and teller fool as i uh, i met them when we were shooting another show called wizard wars which is one of their shows that they had on on sci-fi Yes. Uh, and so we go back to then and, you know, we've hung out a few times backstage and, uh, and Teller and I both love Shakespeare. So we've had tons of conversations about that. In fact, uh, the first night that we like met and hung out, he was telling me about how they're going to uh, uh, Europe and are doing like a little tour. And he needed some help because there was a point where he needed to pretend to be European. Uh, 
and he was so he was asking him about help for dialects because he knows that I do a of bunch course. of dialects. So he's like, so what do you think I should do for this? And so uh, I won't say much more of that because I don't want to ruin anything right. uh, from the act. But it was so I he and I go way back. And so when I saw him, I just like bust out laughing. And afterwards, <laughs> you know, like we just chat and catch up. And it turns out they were in town to film for I think it was a James Corden's show. Okay. Uh, the Late Late Show with James Corden or something. So it was just a, a crazy wild happenstance. Uh, and it was uh, we got a picture and everything. But it was a, what a wild moment that was to happen well, on Well, they're, they're amazing. And again, Teller, mm. um, very well educated. I mean, and, mm. uh, he was and, a teacher, right? right. Uh, yeah, he taught, uh, he taught classics, Greek and Latin. Right. And then and Penn, well, yeah, you know, he's got his thing too. And again, together they were. He is a, he is it's kind of like. He's very honest about what he is. He is a loudmouth juggler carny trash is what he will tell you <laughs> and, <laughs> and an atheist yeah um but again it's kind of like the smothers brothers you have one that's like mm. kind of serious the other one's not so serious so it's kind of reminds me of it but amazing. In, in italy in italy there were two uh, magician comedians called uh, punto e virgola which means uh, full stop and comma uh, <laughs> and they kind of stole their act one uh, was uh, the tall magician uh, talking, and the other one was uh, he was almost doing uh, like uh, uh, I, Marty Feldman Igor from Young Frankenstein. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. yeah. Never spoke a word. He was always uh, and so when I saw that, I said, that looks familiar. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> that looked oddly familiar. Uh, Pen and Teller. I, I had also yeah. the Sylvan, the Italian, uh, the first uh, um, magician in Italy who. Uh, performed a big illusion like the woman saw in half. He did for the first time in Italy, I think maybe uh, even in Europe, the zigzag woman. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but he was, is the classic. He's just like in a tux. Mm-hmm. He just like does the, the doves and, and, and everything. And, uh, and now I think that is 260 years old. So I guess yeah. that he's retired or, or closed. <laughs> yeah, if you notice, uh, magicians never, never, never go on stage wearing jeans. It's always a great, a great. Uh, uh, not necessarily. I know a lot of magicians who are trying to kind of like make things a little more hip. Uh, so I see people in like leather jackets and denim and things all Even the time. It just depends. David Copperfield, when he was doing the the flight, he has jeans. Yeah, but he was at, at, jeans and, and a sweater. At the Magic Castle, you wouldn't wear jeans. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes. So so For anyone who's listening who doesn't know about the Magic Castle, the Magic yes. Castle is a very exclusive clubhouse uh, in uh, Los Angeles in the Hollywood Hills, uh, where not only do you have to be invited to get in, yes, uh, but you also have to meet the dress code. I have literally uh, been there and watched people walk up in like two hundred dollar like black dark denim trousers. Uh, and they say, sorry, you can't come in wearing that. There's an H&M down the street. You can buy a pair of slacks, and then we'll let you in. Uh, And that's with them having been invited and having made a dinner reservation. They still got turned away. So Actually, there was one night when it was somebody really famous. It was someone like either like Siegfried from Siegfried and Roy or Johnny Carson. Somebody showed up at the Magic Castle and... Good. tried to kind of like don't you know who i am and then uh princess irene who uh was basically one of uh is magic castle royalty essentially uh came out and yelled like you should know better than this kind of pull break and she just kind of yelled at them. they just kind of had to hang their head like i'm sorry yeah i just i just wanted to get in so you would but, think uh, you would <laughs> think that they'd have like a rack of of, of dinner jackets to get hand out 
They do. Okay. At least they used say. to. I don't know if we're still alive to give them out, but uh, I remember actually one of my first times visiting the Magic Castle. I had come straight from performing, and I always wear like a suit and tie. But at the time, I was really into uh, Doctor Who and David Tennant's incarnation of the Doctor. And he used to wear sand shoes. He used to wear yeah. like the, the high tops, right? The, uh, right? the Converse. And so I was wearing a teal shirt, a nice silver of tie, course. a silver suit. And I'd wear these uh, teal Converse that I had found. And nice. I, ah, oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, don't blink. Don't blink. <laughs> Uh, and I, I walked in once to go to the castle and they were like, you can't wear those shoes in here. I'm like, oh, you are so right. Ugh. And so they gave me shoes. And of course, I'm a tiny man. Uh, yeah. So like the shoes they had were like a size 10 or 11 and I'm like a size 7. So I'm like just like walking around like a child at home trying on his daddy's shoes for the first time. I was uh, given so was a tie at the, at the Magic Castle. I was given a tie because uh, a one of my best friends... Um, his uh, now wife, at the time he was his girlfriend, she was a, a magician assistant. I don't remember the oh. name. Uh, so he said, hey, you want to go and see a show with Stephanie? I said, sure. But we were in the middle of everything, so I only had a, a shirt. And I went there and I said, I'm sorry, And said, do you have a tie? And they gave me a tie and turned out it was a, a child tie. Nice. So I had <laughs> so it was nice. Like, nice. <laughs> you look like, uh, like, Stan, like Stan Laurel. Yes. Hardy with this wicked short necktie. Exactly. Another fine mess you've gotten us into. Yes. I think, <laughs> I think sweater is very similar, aren't they? Um, it has to be. No, it has to be a jacket of some oh, okay. sort that doesn't have zippers. So I think okay. it has to be a, like a suit jacket or a blazer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's like it's it's a very specific dress. Yes. Now they also... are starting to Go become. Ahead. What was that? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, they're starting to become a little bit more uh, inclusive with the dress code now, which is nice. Uh, so, for instance, like religious garb or military uniforms are now accepted. And they're also oh. so they're Yeah. So it's like and now they're allowing uh, very specific, uh, you know, situation based uh, alternatives. But yes, bow ties are OK. Bow ties are absolutely fine. Uh, in fact, if you don't want to wear a necktie, the only two ways you can get away with it that I know is it either has to be a Mandarin collar. Uh, which is the one that doesn't have, you know, like the thing that drapes over right. it. Uh, it can be a uh, turtleneck shirt. Okay. Uh, or you can have a bolo tie, you know, like oh, you see yeah. in Texas, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so you can have one of those and then you are you don't have to wear an, a proper necktie. Gotcha. Hey, there's also the Magic Castle Hotel, too. The Magic Castle Hotel is absolutely a thing uh, that exists. It's right next door. I've stayed there several times. And you can I, 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 I haven't. And you can but order I popsicles. You can, you can order popsicles poolside. Yes. Uh, so the Magic Castle Hotel is not owned by the same people who own the Magic Castle. Right. It is oh. just a hotel that's been right next door for decades. And it is not necessarily the nicest hotel you've ever been to. <laughs> but here's the thing about it is that it's got a lot of charm. The rooms are huge. They're like every room's a suite. Uh, some oh, of them wow. have balconies. Uh, and it's like everything was kind of like built in like it's that that mid-century modern kind of feel that like okay. 50s 60s kind of vibe to it huge rooms uh and what's great is that they have 24-hour snacks free snacks up That's at the great. front desk so you just walk in like i want a bag of fritos and i want a bag of gummy bears and i want some m&ms and they're like oh, okay at like three in the morning they'll just give them to you for free uh they also have a soft serve machine and they have a 24-hour nice. soda fountain uh, so like one of those machines where you just like, I want a cherry vanilla Coke nice. diet, you know, and you just do the thing. Uh, so they got that at all times. You can order popsicles poolside. The pool's actually open to like 
midnight or one in the morning, God. which is like pretty unheard of. Most there's, times the pools shut down at like nine or ten. Yeah, there's yeah. a red phone in the pool area, Mateo. You pick the phone up and you say, I want to order some popsicles. They come right out with a tree of popsicles and you're good to go. I like yeah. that. I mean, that's life. I mean, that's just living, you know? Yeah. So I, it's not the nicest. It's not a Hilton or oh, anything, yeah. oh, but yeah. it's got so much charm. And I think every, I think Saturday or Sunday morning, you know, of course, they've got like the continental breakfast, but they bring a magician from the castle over and he comes that's over great. and he walks around and does some magic for you. Yeah. Outstanding. That is nice. Um, I want to talk about uh, Masters of Illusion as well. You've been on that show. And you were on the tour. Now, how do you get on the tour? That's that's a big deal. Uh, so uh, so if for anyone who doesn't know, Masters of Illusion is a television series. It started in the 90s. Originally, it was hosted by Harry Blackstone Jr. Uh, the show is back up and running. This is our eighth season. Uh, and this is my seventh consecutive season being on this show. Wow. Uh, it's uh, currently airing every Saturday night at 9 p.m. 8 Central on the CW, CW Network. Yeah. Sorry, I had to do the plug. No, that's fine. I'm legally You're good. Okay. By Dean Cain. Yes. Yeah, yeah, hosted by Dean Cain. Yes. <laughs> yes. Gay Blackstone will have my my uh, my ass in a jar if I don't plug that every chance exactly. I get. Uh, Gay Blackstone is one of the uh, major producers of that. She also produces the Daytime Emmys and the Hollywood Christmas oh, wow. Parade. But she is the widow of Harry Blackstone Jr. Anyway, so she's oh. carrying on the legacy of magic by producing the nice. show. Uh, and we this season we have uh, 43 of uh, the greatest magicians from around the world. Uh, particularly, we have a bunch of magicians from Canada, America, Europe, uh, even uh, Japan and Vietnam this season, uh, which wow. is fantastic. That's wow. uh, And so basically we perform in front of the live audience. We take all that footage and we edit it into these 30-minute episodes, two episodes every Saturday night. Uh, and so... I've, I've been on the show, like I said, for seven seasons. And once you're on the TV show, what happens is they, they have an international tour. Sometimes it's just America. Sometimes it's America and Canada. Sometimes we go to other places. But basically, someone from the team, from the Masters of Illusion team, reaches out to you and says, hey, we're doing the tour and we'd like you to be on it. And so you have to, be ha you have, to have been on the television series, excuse me, in order to be on the yeah. tour. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they basically just asked me, uh, I'm pretty sure the whole reason they put me on the first season that I was on was because they wanted me on the tour. Because Gay heard about me because I was uh, through some mutual contacts. And she had me on a TV show of hers called Don't Blink, which has now been renamed Street Magic. Okay. But it's a show that was on Pop TV for a while, and now it's on some other networks. But basically, it's just all Street Magic. But she, uh, she met me through that. And then she had me on the Hollywood Christmas Parade. And then she said would you be interested in touring with Masters of Illusion? And I was like, yes. And she said, great. Well, you got to be on the TV show first. So let's get you on the TV show. And then I came in and I filmed like four or five pieces for the TV show. They only aired one. And then as soon as that one piece aired, they called me and said, so do you want to be on the tour? And I was like, yes. Wow. So I think they I think they kind of only aired me so they could put me on tour. Uh, but since then, I've been on uh, countless times, and I've been on the tour a bunch of times as well. It happened just so much. Fun. It happened pretty quick for you. Uh, going back to Penn and Teller really quick, then we got to figure, yeah. figure out what uh, Mateo does for a living. Um, how do you get uh -huh. on? That, how do you get on that show? Do they come to you, or do you go to audition? How does that work? Uh, there are several ways. Like with many of these TV shows, there's a bunch of ways to do it. Sometimes they come directly to you, and that's because people have recommended you to them. Uh, sometimes you're just on the radar because they have an entire team that looks out for talent. Same thing with Masters of Illusion. Uh, and then uh, sometimes they just want you to submit stuff cold, like straight to the, the producers, essentially. Uh, and so they had approached me several seasons before I was on, saying, hey, 
We know that you've done Wizard Wars and, you know, you're still on TV and you do great work. So would you be interested in being on Penn and Teller Fool Us? And at the time, I didn't have anything I think I thought was good enough to go on, on Fool Us. So I said, uh, I really appreciate it, but let me let me think about it and send some stuff your way. But nothing ever really worked. And then a couple of seasons later, I said, oh, I have some ideas. I sent it to them, never hard back. And then finally, like the third or fourth season, they reached out to me. Uh, I by at that point I reached out to a friend of mine who is a who is an amazing, basically he's a mad scientist is the best <laughs> way I can put it. Uh, uh, so uh, Jason Anderson of uh, Bad Crumble Effects and uh, and his wife uh, Victoria, they are both incredible artists and builders. And what they do is they, I will just go to Jason and say, hey, I have this wild idea, and he'll go like, yeah, I can make that happen. And then, and then a few days later, he'll be like, okay, so I blew up my kitchen, but uh, <laughs> we've learned how this doesn't work. Literally, in order to create the routine I did for Penn and Telefoulas, he, in the process, broke his big pink, his big toe on his foot, and he blew up his kitchen. Like, wow. there's, like, scorch marks on the ceiling because uh, he was toying around with all sorts of wild ideas. Anyways, uh, but um, you know, I had this thing about wanting to, like, make a balloon float you know, by I blew it up with my mouth and then I wanted to float and maybe do some other stuff. And so I talked to him about that. And I also talked to Bizarro, who's another incredible magician out in Las Vegas. Uh, and, you know, with with their powers combined, uh, I was able to put together an incredible routine. Uh, but yeah, the, so it's it's it was just a wild, wild experience. And because it was something original, it wasn't based off of anything else or technology that even really like existed, yeah. Uh, I was able to then show it to them. It's like, hey, here's something new, and they said, okay, we haven't had that before. Perfect. The balloon act is uh, again. Um, I agree with Penn and Teller. It's an amazing, amazing act. Oh, yeah. And, and people do enjoy it, and, and kids love balloons too. And it is, it is magical, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they're just, it's just, it's just a regular teal balloon. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, you may have fooled me. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, but. Uh, I digress. I I do want to go back real quick. You you're you're all things magic now and, and comedy and really a showman, but your early beginnings were in musical theater. Uh, I know about early beginnings, but yeah, relatively early. Like I got into magic when I was about five, uh, oh. and then I got into doing like uh, impressions when I was like eight, seven or eight, uh, and then uh, in high school, uh, in middle school, I started writing a lot, so I would like write these short stories, or I was at, at, at that point in time, I was trying to write this novel that was all about this like 13 year old kid who had been inducted into a spy society uh, oh. because of his like very, very unique skill set. Uh, and, and then, uh, and so I was writing a lot. And then in high school, I studied more in writing and they also, uh, and then also I would practice more magic around my mates. And then eventually one of my teachers saw how much energy I had in class. And said, "You, you should be on stage. Uh, let's let's put you in a musical." And so I went and auditioned for a musical, and that was oh, probably wow. when I was about, I'm gonna say, 15 or 16. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I just started doing musicals all the time. You, but yeah, what? so I have a really. And then around that time, I was also started getting into stand-up comedy, uh, and I literally started up a club at school that was basically designed to like we would, once a week we would get together and watch stand-up videos. We'd practice our own stand-up material and that sort of thing. Uh, and so by the time I was in college, I had been doing musical theater for several years. I'd been doing stand-up comedy. I'd been doing magic. I'd been doing a bunch of things for ages and ages and ages. Uh, and it just kind of all... Um, That's amazing. It's all kind of fed into my magic act. 
Hey, we're almost out of time. This could, be, this could go two hours. But uh, we talked about this earlier. Again, no ambushing or attacking or whatnot. But uh, Matteo Molinari is our co-host. And uh, you know he's from Italy. He's now living mm-hmm. in the States. Matteo has got a very unique occupation. Um, I will, I will say the other that, things beside the other things yes. that I'm trying to do. I will, I will, is- I will, I will say this. Um, it helps that he's from Italy for this. Yes. Okay. Any, any, okay. Okay. It helps that he's from Italy and he has a unique profession. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of something before, because if you're just th- thinking like unique uh, occupations there are so many out there, it helps that he's from Italy. Uh, okay. Does it involve a gondola? <laughs> no, no, not yet. Not yet. But no. Okay, okay gotcha. Okay. And, okay, and, and gotcha. also, <clears throat> I'm not entitled with my profession. Interesting. Is this in any way, shape, or form related to Universal Studios? Uh, no. no. Very, very, okay. very. I mean, not connected, but occasionally something floats this way. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. All the Italians that I know uh, are like captains, or they are engineers on the cruise ships, because so many of them come out of Italy for some reason. Yes. I don't know why, they just do. I feel like every other captain, it just boom, boom. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this is your captain, Dino Sagani, calling from the brief. They always exactly. sound like that, and I don't know why. Yeah. They're that or they're Dutch, for yeah. some odd reason. <laughs> Uh, I, I know that in Italy there is. I, I have a few. Actually, I have. A, I do have a few friends who work. Uh, one was a senior purser on the Princess Cruise or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, and uh, here and there. Yes, I had a few. Apparently, it's very uh, good industry over there. But no. Okay. Not- I'm trying to think. Okay, that inv- being Italian helps. Usually, usually, I I is an occupation that I perform. Uh, in my house, exactly here where you see me now. Do you uh, do you teach Beverly Hills moms how to make pizza over Zoom? <laughs> no, I would love to. I would love okay. to. No, it, the Zoom is not involved, and I, I'm I'm doing it by myself. There is no uh, another party who is talking to me, or I'm not talking to uh, anybody. Let's, let's, Do you make custom Italian suits? No. No. Let's Son try this. Let's right, try I don't this. Think I'm going to get it. Let's try this. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, uh, how, about, how about the... this? Um, uh, thanks, to, <laughs> thanks to Matteo, um, Italians are enjoying the big red N. N. Hold on. What? What? Sub oh subtitles okay so you sorry all I can see is subtitles so I don't know if there's more to it than yeah just no 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 that's, that's it that's it oh, okay so you do Italian subtitles for exactly uh, oh okay that's you an got awesome it. job for Netflix it's it's fun it's fun uh, it's uh, it's uh, mostly for uh, Netflix uh, occasionally Disney Plus uh, Amazon uh, whatever I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm very I, I, I don't nitpick whatever they tell me. Can you do this? Sure, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'll do it. And it's got um, a, it's, it's got a, it's got its challenges too, because oh, yeah. we talked about this before. And it's, it, there are certain phrases and sentences that when you try it's, to when you, when you try to translate them, it's not quite. Yeah. 
Yeah, there are lots of things that don't try. I only took Italian for one year in high school because I went to an art school where we had opera students, so they offered Italian, and I took it for one year. Uh, And, like, the teacher all the time would tell us because he lived in Italy. Like, he was basically, he went to Italy, moved to Italy with no plan, and, like, lived a combination of, like, living on the streets and in other people's homes and then his own place, like, throughout Italy. And so he had a really unique uh, viewpoint, but he was just like, yeah, there's some things that just do not translate. It's a, no, absolutely, yeah. and it's and, and especially in the conscribe of, of the subtitles that you cannot uh, spread. Uh, sometimes you you don't have neither the luxury nor the the the, the actual space to do too much. Uh, um, like for instance, here you say, "Oh, I watched a sci-fi movie." Sci-fi mm-hmm. is uh, four letters in Italian is fantascienza, which it becomes fantascienza. Okay, <laughs> so. It's already there. One title is already gone, and you say, "Oh yeah. damn!" You have to. So you have to be very creative. What one of my favorite ones is that uh, in in the theater world, you know, we say "break a leg" uh, yes. and things like that. Uh, and I believe in Italian, it's "in bocca al lupo" or "in bocca al lupo." Bocca al lupo, yes. Wow. Bocca al lupo, which means "in the mouth of the wolf." If in I'm the not mouth of the wolf, yes. Which right. in, so, in theory, some people were saying that, uh, but is dubious that is because is related to the fact that when uh, one of the safest uh, place uh, for a wolf to be is in the mouth of their mom when she is uh, carrying the babies so they say if you are in the mouth of the wolf you are safe uh, and and nothing can get but other people say there's a different meaning. Is not sure now. So I say, yeah, I, I like that. So it's yeah. fine. Or like maybe it. maybe it's maybe it's shortened from may you enter the mouth of the wolf yes. and come back unscathed. Like it might or, be yes, one exactly. of those things where yeah. <laughs> yes, but now people say in Bocalupo. And so you know if you if you translate that onto a screen, it just says good luck. But anyone else would be like. That doesn't sound like buono or like you know any of the things that I know good and luck to be like buono fortuno or like something like that would be what I would expect to be that but in vocal loop right exactly and it's uh, like in uh, when they say uh, which is the, the, the one of the lines that I hate the most because it doesn't exist uh, I'm going on a date or even worse. Your date is here, or your date has arrived. Say, oh God! So it'd be like echo, whatever. What is what would be? Yeah, and and, and you have to say uh, because you have to just say because we don't have anything to translate date. Okay. If uh, if uh, the character has been introduced earlier, you can say, oh, Nathan is here, or Jennifer is here. But if you don't know, you say, oh, there is a girl for you. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that because <laughs> it's uh, it really you cannot give a, a proper uh, translation yeah. to something like that, and there are tons of other um, situations. Hey, Matteo, question for you though. Uh, let's say a movie uh, is uh, like, like an hour and th- thirty minutes. How long does it take you to, mm-hmm. to, to, to subtitle it? Usually, it depends. If it's uh, let's say uh, uh, an average comedy or, or nothing, that because of course, for instance, an episode of um, uh, I don't know something like uh, Hawaii 5.0, which I done mm-hmm. a, a lot of episodes, um, which is 50 minutes. Uh, it takes about uh, three to four hours to translate it. Oh wow! Okay, and, but that's a lot of action. You know, not as much. Yes, uh, yeah. quite as but, much but also uh, the dialogue is pretty snappy. In it. An episode mm-hmm. like ER, which is the exact same length, 
it takes about 10 hours because you have to research all of the medical terms oh, yeah. are exactly those and so it, it takes there is a, always that to be like for instance one thing that nobody likes to translate are audio commentaries because usually cool. incredibly dense uh, and uh, whereas a movie on an average is about between a thousand and uh, twelve hundred titles an audio commentary is between 18 and 36 so like, like like documentary so, documentary is really and of course they pay you the exact same amount both for the movie and the commentary so <laughs> yay <laughs> like, like documentaries where the shark is in the ocean and it steps out oh documentary yeah, yes I, yeah. i've done one, one documentary which was fantastic because they here's the hyena in the <laughs> desert let's watch yeah. <laughs> and, and I said, okay fine if you pay me for that that's fine i'm, I'm gonna Wonderful. One day I had to translate Le Sœur du Soleil. Oh, wow. <laughs> that must have been easy. Yeah. Yes. Every other game there was a hop. Yay. <laughs> Something like that. Exclaims. You know, whatever it is. Exactly. Applause. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Nathan Fan, you're amazing. We are out of time. Uh, well, this could have gone on all night. But again, uh, there's so many layers to you. Um, some, some are teal. Um, but, um, but, but very, very talented. And, and again, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot from you and you're it's just so young. So you got a whole thing and, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of cruising as of late. So I'm sure we're running through the on the ships. Um, how can they follow you online? Your website? Uh, let's see. So if you literally all of my social media handles are magic Asian man, I realize for anyone listening who doesn't know me having Mike call me, he is the magic Asian man might be very confusing, but that is literally all my social media handles. Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook. If you just look up Magic Asian Man, you will find me. Uh, and it's also my website as well is just www.magicasianman.com. Uh, and on that, there's a little tab that says upcoming, all of my upcoming TV appearances, all the cruise ships, all the public shows, the touring, everything is posted up on there. Uh, and uh, also, uh, so uh, Mike, Mateo, are you both in Los Angeles? Yes. Or is yes. that roughly the area? Yeah. Yes. I'm performing at the Magic Castle in July. So if you'd like to come oh, see me perform on the main stage, please let me know. I'll be Absolutely. there. I'll be there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you're on the CW. Let's not forget that. And I'm on the CW. Uh, yeah, I, they don't always tell me which episodes I'm on. I sometimes find out really last minute. But uh, check out the entire season. Every, Like I said, every Saturday night at 9 p.m. 8 Central on the CW. We have two episodes. It's usually a, uh, a new debut episode followed by an encore episode, which is the fancy way to say rerun. <laughs> but apparently, encore episode tested better in the okay. demographics. Awesome. <laughs> so it's like uh, how it's like how some places the Magic Castle has stopped charging a cover charge, but now there's an entertainment fee. There you it's go. The oh, same oh, oh. thing. There you go. Yes. So yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, you can sh check me out online. Just look up Magic Asian Man, and yeah. you will find me. Uh, I'm gonna be running around like a madman for the rest of the year. Drop but, me a, uh, yeah, catch drop, me when you can. Drop me a line uh, on that magic magic castle. We'll, we'll go. We'll definitely go. Oh, definitely, That'd definitely. Yes, this July. Yes, I I will be there because I, I enjoy it too much. Nathan Fan, the, the magic Asian man, now in Orange County. Well, now in Pittsburgh, and uh, we'll be checking you out again. But again, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. You're very amazing. welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, don't go away. It was a pleasure. Cool. Don't go away yet, Matteo Molinari. We're not done with you. Where can they find no, you? No. Uh, any, any social media, Matteo, that you uh, want to share? Or? Uh, not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want, there is Majama Jams on uh, on YouTube, and uh, over there, there are all the contacts to insult us in uh, any language you like. Don't forget, bad CGI sharks. That's out, and number of books. Uh, you can go. Uh, you can actually Google Google Matteo Molinari, 
and uh, all that comes up. And those books are still available. Great stuff. And again, uh, Bad CGI Sharks available in English, Japan, and Japanese, and probably some other stuff as well. Uh, the language so absurd. Yeah. Got, are you going to subtitle that, by the way? Uh, no, they, they did it. They, they, they subtitled I translated it in Italian for a friend, but uh, no, I haven't done it for the Italian version. It doesn't exist anymore uh, gotcha. yet. Yet, so that's a good way to put it. Yet, yes, awesome. they, they probably wouldn't understand it. And of course, bad CGI sharks you cannot translate in Italian, so no, I say, yeah. okay, fine. Yeah, that would be because <laughs> you, you can have bad sharks, but they would be like digital, or you'd say you would have to do like some long term that meant computer exactly, right? Like, yeah. yeah, computerized sharks that are bad, but then you just think that they're bad sharks, not that they were computer generated poorly. <laughs> right, so <exactly>. you would... <laughs> awesome. Hey, like, Nathan. Uh, starts in a poor manner, yeah. Something exactly. Like that. <laughs> Nathan Fan, Matteo Molinari, I thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank Thanks you for so having yes. Hey, guys, that's, that's a wrap. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram at Conversations Radio. This is Conversations Radio. So long. Mm-hmm.